Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Athens.com and the Athens Banner Herald. This is the Georgia Bulldogs Podcast. Bulldogs Extra. Now, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Hello, welcome in to the Bulldogs Extra Podcast from OnlineAthens.com and the Athens Banner Herald. Ryan Dennis here alongside Mark Weiser, award-winning journalist. Three time Come on, let's go. Associated let's go. Press. Hey, nobody cares about sports stuff. editors. Award winner for beat writing, other stories, all types of good stuff. It's an honor to be beside you. The crowd goes wild. What's up, Mark? All right, I'm a little drowsy because uh, Governor Kemp decided to do this bill signing ceremony, the uh, name, image, and likeness deal at 8.30 this morning, which is fine. I, I mean, I do get up, but... Um, yeah, you're an know. early riser. You're, I, mean, you're I, I am an early riser, but um, how to get out the house and get over to Sanford Stadium, the uh, beautiful recruiting lounge that Kirby Smart uses to uh, help line up these top three, top four, number one, oftentimes, classes. Yeah. Ron, you been in that place? I haven't, uh, but is, is it pretty nice? I know, I mean, there's there's events we could go to from time to time, but uh, I've never been in there. Yeah, they had the they had some Chick Fil A this morning over there at a table. I didn't I didn't partake because I was you know getting ready to to cover uh, the uh, bill signing ceremony, which uh, Jerry Moorhead was there. The president Josh Brooks. No coaches. Saw, no coaches that I saw. But uh, I saw a lot of uh, reps. I saw Houston Gaines. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of like uh, Marcus Weedauer. Correct. There's a. Uh, I'm sure there's Bill, some more Bill, Bill Cowsert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, so. Uh, July well, July one. If you are a Georgia, if you're one of the 500 plus Georgia athletes, get those endorsements ready. Have an autograph signing. You know, uh, why don't we get uh, some of the star Georgia football players here at the Banner Herald on July first? They can uh, be guests on the podcast and then autographs they can sign uh, autographs. Well, I'll go ask you. I mean, obviously, it's going to be very hit or miss on who gets uh, the benefits of this. So, what does this mean? Is JT Daniels? I mean, can JT Daniels sign up? at the Georgia Square Mall or not sign up. You know what I mean. Can he be hired at the Georgia Square Mall to come sign autographs for a uh, sports, what do they call those, memorabilia shops, and he can make money off of his name? Look, he just can't do it from 4 to 6.30 because that's when Kirby needs him on the practice field. Okay. Uh, But, look, the NCAA uh, hasn't come out and said that we are – um, deferring to these state laws. Um, I mean, I, I assume that, I mean, they could take it to court, but I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, Jerry Moorhead, the, the UGA president who, who's on the board of governors, said he expected there will be an accommodation, I think is the word he used, uh, to allow that. And, you know, this is, uh, th- there's legislation on Capitol Hill in D.C., uh, whether they come to an agreement by July 1st to have a universal, uh, you know, name, image, and likeness uh, law. Uh, or, you know, you have a patchwork of states 
Um, you know, there's, I think, about a dozen now, um, maybe three or four in the SEC footprint that start July 1. Uh, we'll see how that all shakes out. I guess my thinking, and, and at the end of the day, the athletic departments aren't going to be hit by this, right? It's not, you know, when you think about our pay, uh, players being paid, it's not coming out of the athletic department's budget. They're not saying, hey, we got to pay each player $5,000 a month on top of their scholarship they're getting. This is just, they can go out and market themselves. That's right. Is that how I'm viewing this right? Yeah. I mean, uh, this is, you know, if uh, you got a pizza place in town and you want uh, Zamir White and James Cook to come over and, uh, you know, take pictures with your establishment uh, in the background and pay them for posting it on their uh, social media, that kind of thing. I mean... Uh, well, I guess the big thing I'm thinking about is like Todd Gurley mm-hmm. uh, signing some autographs, getting paid for it. A.J. Green selling his jersey. His own jersey he sells, you know. <laughs> they can do that now, right? Uh, that would be the plan, yeah. So uh, you wouldn't have suspensions for, um, you know... Now, what they are avoiding is you know you can't be paying a guy uh before he's a bulldog uh, you know hey or you, you can't i mean how they regulate it who knows but that's what i was gonna say that's i mean that's the sketchy path that the ncaa I has mean, always walked you could say hey look you come to georgia uh you're gonna be getting twenty thousand dollars by the time you're out of here just for signing autographs is there a wink and a shake i mean look you, <laughs> you, you got a noon kickoff you might have uh five o'clock uh, at a sporting goods store some wow. of the guys that just had the game-winning touchdown to to go uh, do whatever i mean you know, we'll see how it all plays out um but you know you would expect that they would try to have uh you know a law in or, or you know something nationally that would cover all of college athletics and and uh, you know not have uh, a guy that's uh, at, at Michigan not being able to cash in like a guy at Alabama. Right. I've always been a proponent that you know with the with the amount of money that universities, athletic departments, and whatnot make off of it, that yeah, certain players should get paid. But I, I understand where the NCAA has come from all these years. I know that's probably a a, a, a point that not many people agree with the NCAA and how they've handled it but I can see where you you don't want to get in that murky water of hey we'll go ahead and upfront you the $30,000 to come here and just keep it under wraps and then you can claim you made all that money while you were here type of stuff you see what I'm saying mm-hmm. and and so I, I get the fine line I guess that the NCAA has walked all these years but I also agree that it's going to benefit 15 to 20 programs and then where is everybody else like is the, is the Boise States of the world are they done for now so you're saying the uh, Minnesota Duluth hockey players not going to be able to, to cash in uh, up well I'm there? thinking more football but but I you mean, don't think hey, they you, might cash in big up there but I'm saying in every sport there's going to be the 5 to 10 15 20 teams that are going to be the main benefactors and then does that mean that all other teams that can't you know is is a Boise State, is a, somebody going to Nevada, they're not going to be able to compete on the same level as the Georgia and, and Alabama. I mean, I would think that, um, you know, a Connecticut, South Carolina women's basketball player in those communities yeah. uh, would be... And so they're going to stay at the top is what I'm saying. There's no way that anybody from a lower team is going to be able to compete with that. Well, I mean, where do you... Are you what did you say, Nevada? Just throwing out a, a smaller a smaller football program. Yeah, I mean, I guess UNLV has some boosters that could. Uh, <laughs> That's a very good point. They, they, they could make it happen. Uh, somebody somebody tweeted at me uh, or, or just 
uh, at my tweet about why did why did Governor Kemp have so many pens on his table? I think I'm looking at, at the picture now. It does look like about sixty pens. Did he sign several different things? Um, because you know the president, I noticed when they do executive orders and whatnot. You know, I think he was just he was um, handing out pens to the the gentleman. Apparently, uh, they framed the, the pen. They framed the pen yeah. that it signs the executive orders and all that stuff. Look, I want to know. I mean. Why? Uh, why didn't they do this at the state house and uh, yeah. allow the Georgia Tech coach to come there? I'd be I mean, pissed if I was a Tech uh, fan. Yeah, I mean, Kemp wasn't wasn't. But you know, he did kind of uh, also. Uh, Josh Brooks was in the room, the Georgia AD, and he did say, uh, "Hey, I expect to be tailgating this fall." Uh, uh, you know, uh, so I he also said that this was going to bring a national championship to Kirby. Is that? I think he said it would be something else that could help him uh, <laughs> do that. So. I know. Uh, so, if five years from now, you know, you got you have uh, name, image, and likeness going strong, but Georgia still hadn't won a national title, mm-hmm. we'd be like, "Hey, Kemp said you would have done it." <laughs> uh, will Kirby still be the coach if that's the case? I don't. Uh, uh, we, yeah, we don't need to go there on that. <laughs> All right, um, you want to talk about the NFL draft? Hey. Record-setting NFL draft for the uh, Georgia Bulldog program. Hey, I will say one thing about one more thing about the name, image, and likeness. The bill does have a pr- provision to uh, pool money uh, so that it would go uh, to former Georgia athletes or former athletes at any school in the state, where they would be able to uh, receive some of the benefits that these current players are getting now georgia says that they're not going in that direction it's just an option uh but you know you you would imagine that that would be a recruiting disadvantage if you think oh i can go play uh, for auburn and not have i can get you know all my money at, at auburn but at georgia you know they might chop some off the top and give it to somebody who was mm. here f- four or five years ago or, or you know so there's a, they're not buying in on that yet there's a lot to unwrap in this whole thing in there well, in that in that aspect of the legislation. All right, uh, NFL draft. Did you watch it all? Seven uh, rounds, three days. I watched uh, three networks for the first two a good days. Good bit. I know you were glued to all uh, twenty-seven and a half hours of coverage. Um, but yeah, did you have in your pool that Eric Stokes would be the number one bulldog taken? Um, no. I mean, you know, I, I think I told. I, I don't know if I spoke to you about it or someone else. I mean, I gave some percentages, like. I certainly had um, pictures and and some uh, copy ready because I knew enough. I mean, when you saw uh, who was it? Was it uh, Isaiah Wynn? Was he a surprise first rounder that year? Twenty second, twenty third, or like something. I don't know if he was a slam dunk first yeah. rounder, but I, I certainly thought that between Aziz, Stokes, and Campbell, mm-hmm. those guys all had a shot. And it turned out that that it was uh, Stokes, the first rounder, and the first of the second round uh, to Campbell. the Packers. Packers right? Yeah, Stokes yeah. went to the Packers. Uh, the next day, uh, Campbell right off the bat goes, and then um, Aziz Aziz went uh, fifty to the Giants. Yeah, so his uh, some concern by teams on, on his knee. Um, his agent told me that you know they had James Andrews, the renowned surgeon, look at it uh, in January, and that he hadn't missed any practices or games the last two years. Um, so you know, but. He went to uh, Indianapolis for the medical recheck, and maybe some teams saw some things that they didn't like, and you know we're going to invest in him. So maybe that's part of the reason he slid. Yeah. Uh, but he ends up with the New York Giants, where there's uh, a lot of bulldogs, including Andrew Thomas, Tay Crowder, uh, and also his former position coach, or at least the guy that recruited him. I can't remember if he was here actually at the time. Um, which is uh, yeah. 
<laughs> Why am I drawing a blank? I know. There's so many, so many dang coaches and uh, and linebacker coaches and whatnot. But the thing about Eric Stokes, um, while you uh, do a quick uh, reevaluation of who uh, Kevin Shear. Why am I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, his kids went to North Oconee. We should have, we should have definitely known that. But I was gonna say, Eric Stokes. I mean, obviously, lightning fast speed. I remember he's one of those kids that you remember seeing at a track meet. Uh, just blowing away people, and you're like, okay, he's he, he's he's pretty good. He also came to our neck of the woods uh, with Eastside High School to play football, and you knew he was a, a guy that was good. But I I, I want to say he was only a three star. Am, am I mistaken in that coming out of Eastside? But his speed killed. And, yeah. And I mean, once he got his opportunity as a DB, man, he and, and I, I think of the exact moment you thought when he arrived right at Missouri when he blocked that punt, and then he had to fill in for. Uh, Campbell the rest of that game you're like he's 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 got something here yeah I mean I'm trying to remember I don't think um there was as much um you know I don't know how much was known about Stokes in terms of being a guy that Georgia was about to sign and Mm -hmm. I think I was trading some texts with his high school coach that day when it kind of came to the surface and and you know we learned a lot about him and then uh, you know, right? He redshirted his first year, and and turned out uh, the Missouri game kind of announced himself. Was it a, a punt yeah. block? And yeah, so um, you know, he was the first guy to go, and then you get, uh, as we mentioned, uh, it turned out to be a really busy day two. And then you know, you had three guys going in the last. Uh, I think it was like an eighteen minute stretch towards the end of the first round or the second round. Or the second day, you had yeah. you had. I remember the order now, but you had Ben Cleveland, you had Trey McKitty. Mm-hmm. Who am I missing? Somebody else went that day. Um, ah, yeah. Uh, Monty Rice. Yeah, Monty. Right, and and right. Oh, did you see that thing with Monty? He 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 mentioned it uh, with reporters, and then he tweeted out uh, some photos of him going to a Titans game when he was a kid. I guess he had a oh, neighbor. Na- he had a neighbor that I I don't know if they had season tickets or just were fans but that might have been the closest NFL team to him probably right. yeah I think he said it's like an hour mm. and 15 minutes hour and a half from where he grew up in Alabama that's cool so uh cool story for Monty and um you know with Ben Cleveland I mean I, we did the draft diary with him and and I think the projections were as early as the third and maybe some had him even going into like the fifth or sixth round so good for him that uh, found like he uh, has a good fit there in, with the Ravens who really like to uh, uh, you know <laughs> pound the ball and and uh, they were really ecstatic to, to get a big mauler like him and of course the national uh, sort of sort of media folks uh, took off on his big countryness you know and and a couple things uh first off i ran into him at striplings uh, the other day getting some uh, beef jerky but two i think back to you know when we got to talk to him one of the first times he was talking about you know picking his teeth with a pocket knife and all that stuff and now he's uh there's stories out about him eating squirrel in the backyard i mean it's just a uh a tacoa dude that has always been uh you know he, he, from from that year that Georgia went to the national championship, I mean, he was kind of had a stronghold there, uh, you know, as a as a guard or, or whatever on the team, and uh, led a lot of good a lot of good running attacks for the Bulldogs there. Yeah, then you had uh, they get to their record number uh, by the end of the day on Saturday uh, as Richard LeCount goes, Mark Webb, and is that nine right there? No, you had six. Uh, who else we got? Somebody else went earlier. Come on, Ron. You're supposed to be on top of this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got I to Google it up now. I all wait. I know is that, that uh, you know, Kirby gets kids in here and uh, does a pretty good job of, of developing. And um, 
you know, when you have number one classes year after year after year, you expect to, uh, you know, you expect to have big time players uh, get drafted. And I think if we look ahead to next year's draft, I mean, whew, what could be? You know, I saw a mock draft. I Trey Hill. That's right, at, at center. Now, look, he's a guy that left as an underclassman and, and goes in the, um, I think it was the sixth round. So, you know, ideally you're not having guys leave, uh, you know, to go that late in in the in the draft. I mean, make more money, come back. But, you know, some guys just want to – they're done with college. They want to begin <coughs> making some money. He ha- he actually already has his degree. He did it in three years. And, uh, you know, I don't begrudge a guy for – for taking off if they want to pursue their career. Maybe they've they've had their fill of uh, college. And, you know, a lot of these guys went through a lot during this COVID season um, just in terms of, you know, having to follow every protocol. And uh, it probably wore down on a lot of them. So, um, you know, yeah. you saw, saw a guy like Solomon Kinley. What was he, a fourth-round pick maybe and ended up being a starter? And, and rave reviews after his rookie year. Yeah. So, uh I was going to say, that looking ahead to next year's draft, I saw a mock that had uh, JT Daniels going as high as fifth. So we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Hey, let's take a quick break. Why don't we come back? We'll talk about the, what would you call it, the mass exodus of uh, college basketball players <laughs> around here? Well, it's, it's everywhere, but, yeah, Georgia's certainly in the mix. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be back right after this. All right, back in on the Bulldogs Extra podcast. Mark, it's been a couple weeks since we have done the pod, and since then, more bad news for the Georgia basketball team and Tom Crean, the player they could not lose, they lost. Severe Wheeler. Didn't we podcast since then? I feel like we did. Maybe we did. <laughs> you're, you're still. Uh, I'm still going. You're with still it. down the dumps about losing Severe. Um, yeah, so there's now seven, I guess you would say, in the transfer portal. Yesterday, there was a guy that really I wasn't wasn't kind of on a watch for to know one way or the other, which is Justin Kyer, or mm-hmm. Ke- yeah, um, because I was told he you know he wasn't going to be coming back. He probably was going to be pursuing a pro career. You know, I guess that didn't work out or whatever. But I mean, he he put out a statement basically glowing about his time at Georgia. Then Tom Crean did the same thing about Justin. Um, so he's going to move on as a grad, as a grad. Well, he's already a grad transfer. As he's back in the portal, closer um, to family, right? I mean, I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. <laughs> yeah, right. um, that seems like a, a line you hear a lot about. Uh-huh. But but um, you know, Georgia picked up a couple of junior college transfers this week. Um, you know, that gives them. I think it's nine newcomers now. You have. Um, three high school recruits. You have four transfers from Power Five programs, or or just you know, not uh, JUCO type. So then you have you have the two JUCO guys. Um, so you can check out the stories, and I we need to break down their games. So one of them is uh, <laughs> from a, a junior college in Kansas. Another from. Um, Arkansas. Somewhere in Florida. Oh, in Arkansas <clears throat> City, Kansas. But, I, I mean, the general rule of thumb uh, for what Tom Crane seems to be looking for is guys that can shoot and hit the three. In particular, Georgia was very lacking in uh, good, you know, efficiency uh, from three-point range. Now, you know, a guy might fill it up 
on the JUCO level or at a lower level program, and that doesn't necessarily translate into doing that in the SEC. You I hope you hope he, th- they can do that. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Um, you one know, of the players averaged about twenty two a game, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Georgia had three JUCO guys that they signed. They brought in last year uh, in Ty McMillan and then the ki- the two guys from from Florida, um, and you know. They had, you know, carved out certain roles, but, but uh, you know, they didn't certainly make major contributions. Yeah, this is um, – I wouldn't get too excited if I were a Georgia Bulldog basketball fan at, at the direction this team is, is headed, even though they've added a couple guys. You know, we kind of talked um, off uh, off the pod about, I mean, what is Georgia going to be, a bunch of just six 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 five wing guys? I mean, if they can shoot – or that, but I mean, they don't have. They they did bring in a a kind of a big guy from Texas in the uh, in the whole restructuring of this program. But I mean, that's the only guy that's six nine or six. You talking about the guy from Illinois, Chicago? Is that what it is? Br- Braylon Bridges. Yeah, 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 yeah. The JUCO guy, or yeah, not. I guess it's not JUCO, but um, it's the only guy that that se- seems like he would be a uh, forward or a center or. Oh well, you know, there is a guy that you're talking about, the, the freshman that's coming in. Um, I think he's from Florida, but he maybe played in Texas. Um, yeah, I mean, th- it's it's some raw talent, um, you know, on the high school ranks in terms of bigs. But the guy Bridges has played, uh, you know, a good bit, and and you know, probably would be plugged in, I would guess, as as your big post guy. Um, but um, I mean, I guess if you're a Bulldog fan, you you. Or are happy that Katie Johnson hadn't left yet, and that's somebody that you can maybe build build around this upcoming season. But it's uh, it's a mess. Yeah, I mean, for now he he's there, and uh, I think everyone's kind of you know in the mode of uh, you know maybe until you roll out in uh, you know in August with some preseason or you know some early training uh, for the season. I mean, you really can't count uh, on much these days. Um, you know, I don't think many people were expecting Severe would would be pulling the plug and and leaving town. So, um, for now, that's the case. And if not, they'll they'll go back to the transfer portal and find someone else. But um, you know, wrote wrote this week, had a chance to talk to Tom Crean about it, and uh, you know, he's uh, thinking. You know, the the deal is that uh, you know they've developed players um, that haven't been necessarily uh, the biggest names. I mean, Nick Claxton, uh, and then certainly a bunch of Indiana Marquette, but, but you can't look at who's left and who's coming in and, and it's hard to envision the program, uh, you know, doing much more than, um, you know, staying where they have been, or if not taking a step back, but, but you're not going to hear Tom Crean say that. And uh, he's working and uh, you know, his staff, they did lose uh, Chad Dollar who uh, left, to uh, go to Cincinnati, so they have another coaching position to fill. Um, but w- I mean, w- what do you see, Ryan? Do you see uh, this team uh, taking a big step back? Oh yeah, it's it's not going to be good, and that's exactly what Tom Crean did not need. I mean, he needed those guys like Tumani and Savir, and and you know to stay with KD and and give some sort of feel that you know. I mean, who are you going as, as a Bulldog? You don't even know who you know. KD Johnson's the only guy left, so. It, it just – it's not good for, for Tom Crean. And if they don't win this year, it's not looking good for him. I mean, 
you know, ultimately, uh, you know, big picture wise, uh, it's it's probably not great for the college game. I mean, I think Missouri has three guys coming back from their roster this year. Um, you know, but check out we did a story on on the, the transfer culture. Talked to uh, you know Scott Strickland, the baseball coach, um, Lou Harris, Champer, softball coach, and then and then did sit down with with Tom Crean and and kind of dove into what's going on with uh, you know the, the craziness of the Georgia basketball roster. So um, we'll see. I mean, maybe. Maybe there's some upside. I actually did think the three guys they brought in last year, you know, Kyra being one and then Andrew Horn. Garcia and Horn. I mean, I didn't have much expectations and I, they were three of the better players on the yeah. team. I mean, after the, the big, you know, after Kamara, Kamara and, and Wheeler and, and PJ Horn does look like he's sticking around. Uh, he had some surgery, but I mean, then again, you saw Justin go in the portal. So, you know, again, I'm not making any promises. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, real quick before we wrap it up, baseball, bad loss last week, bad series loss to Auburn. Auburn took two out of three and then they go to number one arkansas this weekend now hey they surprised us a couple weeks ago when they took two or three for vandy can they do it again at arkansas they need to because uh you know that after after losing two or three to auburn last week that was uh not good but i, I know uh scott strickland still uh probably feels like he's got a two seat or so on his hands for the baseball team uh it might be three but they're yeah. going to uh number one arkansas and um their Friday starter is uh, going to be. I mean, they're going with a bullpen deal where they're going to use you know several guys and yeah. just lost uh, one of the guys Smith, they're, they're yeah. counting on, C.J. Smith, with an arm injury. No, uh, they hadn't had him all year, really. So yeah, hadn't had him much, but they're shutting him down for the year. So, all right, uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Ryan's got to run to a meeting. I do out the door right now. All right, see you, everyone. Bye.